Welcome back to the Homestyle MMA Podcast. This is Sean Van Buren here for episode 15. Finally, we are back with some MMA action. I know you guys, like me, were sitting at home last Saturday wondering what we'd do with all that free time. Have no fear, the UFC is back and ready to deliver with a fight in Paris, France. Today, we're going to be reviewing UFC Fight Night Gone versus Tui Vasa. This is the first UFC event ever in Paris, France. France just recently allowed MMA competitions to occur in their country literally within the last year, and the UFC is making their long-awaited debut in Paris. This is a huge deal for European MMA, and Dana White and the UFC set up a great card, stacked full of French fighters for the local crowd, and a lot of exciting newcomers into the UFC. There's some very high-level fighters on this card, and I think the trend of the UFC fight nights being excellent will continue with this fight card. Do not miss it. The only potential downside is that this card did have a lot of changes in the last 10 days. Fights had been dropped off, fighters had been swapped out, so make sure you listen to who is taking a fight on short notice, because it may make a difference in that matchup. Let's not wait any further. I'm excited. I know you guys are too. Let's dive into those UFC prelims. And this fight card starts off with a UFC debut and a last-minute fighter replacement. We have Stephanie Egger versus Aylin Perez. Now, originally, Zara Farron was supposed to fight Aylin Perez. She's no longer on this fight. Stephanie Egger stepping in literally during fight week on short notice. She's one inches taller. She's a two-and-a-half-inch reach advantage. And she just fought back at the beginning of August. Unfortunately for her, she suffered a first-round submission loss in that fight, which ended her two-fight win streak. She's looking to get back in the cage right away and right the wrong from her last appearance. It was her first ever professional submission loss, and seven of her total 10 professional fights have ended by finish. Now for Aylin Perez, she is making her UFC debut. She's 7-1 with her only loss by disqualification. Six of her eight total pro fights have ended by finish. Based on her topology profile, we were taking a deep dive into Aylin Perez. It appears that she has more of a stand-up style fighter with the power to actually knock someone out on the feet with her striking. Now, unfortunately for Perez, Stephanie Egger is a very tough UFC debut because she averages 3.29 takedowns as a pro. The short notice makes this very interesting because of that. Does Stephanie Egger have the gas tank to utilize that wrestling with a last-minute weight cut, last-minute stepping into this fight? We'll have to see. Usually it doesn't impact the ladies quite as much as men when they have to make weight, but by no means does that make it easy. Egger is a very large favorite currently, but I'm curious about the power of Aylin Perez. She's had a few knockouts, corner stoppages. She's clearly beating people up on the feet. Straight up, I would take Stephanie Egger to win. I think if this wasn't a short notice fight, it'd be Stephanie Egger easy. My only question is going to be how hard is that weight cut going to be trying to do that on short notice. She's a very skilled fighter. Like I said, I would lean Stephanie Egger to win. But taking a look at these two women, I actually think our best bet is to take the fight to not go the distance, because 13 of their 18 professional fights ended before it got to the judges. Hopefully, Aileen Perez can wrestle, because I think Stephanie Egger will take her down and use her jujitsu to try to get a submission victory. If she's not well-rounded enough in MMA, typically, not always, but typically you can't just strike your way to victory. You need to be well-rounded. Stephanie Egger is a very well-rounded MMA fighter. And I think just on paper, she has more ways to win. So look for this fight to not go the distance. I'm leaning Stephanie Egger. 
We'll figure out our bet here in just a few more minutes later on in the podcast. Next UFC prelim fight, another change. This is going to be a little tough name for me to say, so I'm going to mostly call him Christian, but it's Christian Quinones versus Khalid Taha. Originally, Taylor Lapalus was going to be fighting Khalid Taha. I thought that was a very favorable matchup for Taylor Lapalus when I was doing my initial analysis. With this change to Christian, I actually think it was a much better change for Khalid Taha. This change just happened as well weekend before the fight, so fairly short notice for Christian Quinones. It's a very beneficial change, like I said, for Khalid Taha stylistically. Khalid Taha is still the smaller fighter, being three inches shorter and having a one inch reach disadvantage, but Christian Quinones is mostly a striker, and so is Khalid Taha. I think with the original matchup with Taylor Lapalus, Khalid Taha was going to get wrestled big time. Taha's biggest weakness is wrestling. He's 1-3 with a no contest in his last five total UFC fights. He needs to build momentum if he wants to stay on the roster. He was taken down a ton in those five UFC fights. So I think this change from Lapalus to Quinones essentially removed that threat because Quinones is a striker as well. Half of his pro victories have come by knockout, and Taha needs to face a stand-up fighter because he struggles on the ground, but he's very strong on the feet. He himself has nine knockout victories in his 13 total professional wins. These guys are going to stand and bang. I don't think either guy's really going to work their way to a takedown, so we should see a lot of exciting striking action. Quinones is making his UFC debut and last fought for Dana White Contender Series back in October of 2021. So he's been waiting quite some time now. He got that unanimous decision win, earned himself into this short notice fight. Christian Quinones is 8-2 by knockout versus Taha's 9-0 by knockout. But don't get me wrong, Quinones, while he is mostly a striker, it does appear that maybe he'll go for an occasional takedown. He's got some ground and pound victories in there, so maybe he's getting those takedowns himself. But again, with a guy making his UFC debut, essentially, we only know so much information. If Taha wants to win, he basically needs to make sure he keeps his fight standing. Anytime he gets to the ground, it just doesn't go that well for him. I think if Taha can keep this fight standing, he can get back to his winning ways and potentially get a knockout victory against the late replacement fighter, Christian Quinones. We're going to take Khalid Taha money line, I think, but I'm hoping that he can get the knockout because I think the longer this fight goes, Quinones can settle in, kind of get the jitters out with his UFC debut, and maybe he does use that wrestling to grind his way to a decision victory. So I do hope that Khalid Taha goes for it right away. Maybe gets a first round knockout so that he doesn't have risk of this fight dragging on and him getting dragged into deep waters. Our next fight on this UFC stacked prelims, lots and lots of fights this weekend, is Benoit Saint-Denis versus Gabriel Miranda. Do not miss this fight, folks. If you are a fan of Brazilian jiu-jitsu, jiu-jitsu in general, this is such an exciting fight for us. These guys are similar in size. Gabriel Miranda is making his UFC debut. And he is the definition of a Brazilian jiu-jitsu specialist. He has 16 professional MMA wins. He is 15-0 by submission. This is a scary, scary jiu-jitsu fighter entering the UFC. And the UFC matched this one up perfectly. Benoit Saint-Denis, he is 9-1 as a pro, but 8-0 by submission in those fights. These guys are some of the most elite grapplers and jiu-jitsu specialists currently in the MMA game, and they're going head-to-head against each other. 
this fight is going to go to the mats. Both guys want to fight there. Both guys want to make a statement that they are the better jujitsu fighter. This fight will be thrilling. It'll be intense for jujitsu fans. If you understand the nuances while they're on the ground, while they're trying to set up different submissions, set up different positions, it's going to be a very technically exciting fight. Might not look like a ton is happening all the time, but make sure you listen to the announcers. They will help guide you through the intricate details of jujitsu if you're unable to recognize them yourself. That is perfectly okay. That is why the announcers are there. I think the best bet here is the fight to end by submission. I think these guys are trying to make a statement, and I think someone will get it done. That's a line we're going to have to take a look at when it becomes available. If I had to pick a fighter, it seems crazy picking against Benoit Saint-Denis, but I am leaning Gabriel Miranda just because he is coming in at an underdog around plus 185, and I just think it's a lot of value. These guys are elite at jiu-jitsu. Something's got to give. It just seems like you might want to go for the underdog because the value is there. There's a chance for you to make more money in what I think could be more of a coin toss type of fight. I think the line should be closer to plus 400 or tighter because both guys are finishers. Both guys like to finish the fight the same way with their jujitsu. Benoit Saint-Denis will have the crowd behind him as he is another local French fighter. I think this fight will be awesome. I think it'll be very intense as they each go for submissions for as long as this fight lasts. This could be. A one-round fight while both guys are dry, they're both not sweaty, and one guy catches the other guy in a submission. It's just going to be an incredible jujitsu sequence to watch. I do think as the fight goes on, they start to get sweaty, maybe guys start to get a little tired. It is harder to get those submissions when guys get sweaty, but with guys that are this skilled, you can just never count them out from finishing a fight. So let's take a look at the fight to end by submission if we can find it. Then we'll probably have the backup of fight to not go the distance if we can't get the finish specific enough. And our fallback option is Gabriel Miranda since he has a legitimate underdog potential. We keep the prelims rolling with another exciting fight. We have Nasruddin Imavov versus Joaquim Buckley. Joaquim Buckley famously went viral with an insane knockout finish just last year where he had a spinning back kick to the face against his opponent. It was fantastic. Nasruddin Imavov is the number 12 ranked middleweight fighting Joaquin Buckley, who has to be at number 16 or 17, just outside of the top 15. He's had a lot of success lately. The fact he hasn't cracked the top 15 yet is a little surprising, so he's got to be right on the outside looking in. Imavov has a large 5-inch height advantage and has won each of his last two fights by knockout. This is Imavov's first fight since November 2021, however but he is a hometown favorite fighting out of France. Joaquin Buckley, he's won his last three fights, and this is his third fight of this calendar year. We love guys who get in there often. It's great to keep your name relevant in the MMA community, and Joaquin Buckley makes sure to do just that. It's another unique bet to check out here. Listen to this. 20 of their combined 26 wins have come by finish. Imavov is a more balanced MMA fighter, with 5 knockout and 4 submission wins out of his 11 total wins. And Buckley is just going to punch you in the face until you give up. Punch, kick, elbow, whatever. Don't get me wrong, he's a very well-rounded striker, but he puts guys to sleep. He has only knockout finishes with 11 in his 15 wins. Imavov averages 2.5 submission attempts per fight, and Buckley averages 1.68 takedowns. Buckley does like the ground and pound, but that's a dangerous area to take this fight with Imavov being so comfortable playing the submission game. 
Being the more well-rounded fighter, I just feel that Imavov has too many ways to win this fight compared to Joaquin Buckley. I think Imavov wins this fight, but I'm going to peek at the fight to end by finish before I place my bet here. If you want to, take Imavov. He's at around minus 270 if that floats your boat. But I wouldn't knock down Buckley's chance. He has so much power. So I think if you want to give Buckley a chance as well, which I would like to do, we're going to take a look at the fight to not go the distance, see if that's a better line than taking Imavov straight up. Take a look at both odds Saturday morning of Imavov Moneyline, where fights not go the distance. If fights not go the distance is within minus 300 from Imavov Moneyline. I'll probably take that because I don't necessarily want to count out the power of Joaquin Buckley. Two more late edition fights to end our prelims. We have Ferris Zayam versus Michael Figlock. This fight was added during fight week, so it is a short notice fight for both fighters. Zayam is the local French fighter. He is 2-2 in the UFC coming off of a loss. Michael Figlock is making his UFC debut after having tremendous success in Cage Warriors. Now, we know Cage Warriors has excellent competition. We know they're a very legitimate organization over there in Europe. Here on the Homestyle MMA podcast, we take them very seriously. The good news for Ferris Zayam is that Michael Figlock is typically a striker. With 4-0 no by knockout, with an undefeated 8-0 no record, Michael Figlock is hoping to make a statement with his first UFC fight. Ferris Zayam does not typically go for takedowns. He's also a stand-up fighter. That's why he's liking the guy opposite the cage from him. But he is 12-4 as a pro, 5-0 by knockout, and 4-3 and by submission. So he can get submission wins, but when he plays on the ground, sometimes he gets caught himself. I haven't been incredibly impressed with Ferris Zayam in the UFC so far. He doesn't put out a lot of volume as a striker. He can easily be controlled on the ground if you get him there. Michael Figlock, in his six Cage Warriors appearances, his opponents are combined 50-16-2, and, and he won all those fights. The guy is very legitimate. I think it's a very strong strength of schedule. And like I said, I like Cage Warriors here at the Homestyle MMA podcast. They've had some success moving guys over to the UFC lately, so I'm going with newcomer Michael Figlock to get the win in his UFC debut. We end the UFC prelims with Abus Magomedov versus Dustin Stoltzfus. Another late addition to this card. This one was added the weekend before fight week. So both fighters having to do last minute weight cuts. Abus is two inches taller and has a three inch reach advantage. This will be his UFC debut. He did have some success in another major MMA organization though. We love here at the Homestyle MMA podcast as well. We love the PFL. He fought for that organization from 2017 to 2018, and he actually went 3-1-1 and in the PFL. This is his first fight since December of 2020. 11 of his last 13 fights have ended by finish, with only one loss and one draw in that stretch. Abus has finishing success with both knockouts and submissions, with a 13-1 knockout record and 6-2 for submission. He's a very well-rounded MMA fighter, and honestly, I think it's... About time he makes his debut in the UFC. I think the guy could have been a part of the UFC a few years back, but he hasn't fought since December of 2020. Not sure what the holdup was, but I feel like he could have been a part of the UFC back at the start of 2021. Dustin Stoltzfus ended his three-fight skid with a win back in mid-July, so this is a quick turnaround for him, but it has not been a great run in the UFC so far. He's 1-3. in three in the UFC and earned his way into the organization with a knockout in Dana White's Contender Series. So he earned his way in with the knockout, which is great, always a good thing to do, but then he lost three in a row, finally ended that skid back in July. 
quick turnaround. I just don't know. There's a lot going on for Dustin Stoltzfus. He doesn't have a ton of finishing ability, and Abus Magomedov has almost too much finishing ability. So I think that he has more ways to win this fight. Even though Abus hasn't fought in almost two years, he is only one year older than Dustin Stoltzfus. With 19 of his 24 professional wins coming by finish, I think that Abus Magomedov gets the win here, likely by finish, and sneaky possibly by submission, with both of Dustin Stoltzfus's submission losses coming in the UFC recently. So maybe take a look at that if you're feeling really greedy. I like Abus Magomedov straight up money line or to get him to win by finish. I just think the guy's too many ways to win. Stacked UFC prelims, a lot of fights they shoved into this fight card. I love it. We had nothing to do last weekend. We're making our debut in Paris. Let's go ahead and dive right into the UFC main card. Fortunately for us, the UFC main card has stayed fairly consistent for this UFC fight night. It's the prelims where all the craziness has kind of been going on. A few fights have jumped in and out of the main card, but the majority of this has been consistent. And it starts off with what I think could be a fight of the night for the first UFC main card fight. This was a super hard fight to pick, and I'll tell you guys why, but it is Charles Jourdain versus Nathaniel Wood. Just saying that should send a shiver down your spine. We all know Charles Jourdain has been in so many wars. Nathaniel Wood has started to get going as of late. This is a great matchup, a great fight. Charles Jourdain is three inches taller, but they actually have the same reach. Both fighters just fought in July, so they're ready to go, ready to make fast turnarounds. Charles Jourdain is coming off a majority decision loss to Shane Burgos, which was just a fantastic brawl between those two fighters. And of course, I have to mention with Shane Burgos, he is a recent signee of the PFL. Nathaniel Woods coming off of a unanimous decision win against Charles Rosa. Both fighters have faced strong competition in their last fights. Each fighter has gone over one and a half rounds in all of their UFC fights, but one each. That is the sneaky line to watch here. These guys usually go long, they usually do wars, and that's the line we're going to want to take a look at. As far as straight up, it's a very interesting matchup. I think Jordan has the striking advantage and Wood has the wrestling advantage. Now with Charles Jordan, he hasn't even had a one takedown as a pro before. He's almost strictly a striker, and I do get worried with guys who are one-dimensional. Don't get me wrong, Charles Jordan's striking output is phenomenal. The problem with him here and why I think we're due for another war is it's the same for Nathaniel Wood. There's also an interesting difference in how they strike. Charles Jourdain is more of a conventional punching style striker, whereas Nathaniel Wood throws some of the largest kicking volume in the bantamweight division. He has had three round fights where he landed over 50 leg kicks in the UFC. That is kicking a guy's leg until it is just a beat up piece of meat and they can't put any weight on it anymore. That amount of volume with kicks is almost unheard of. This should be an excellent brawl, again, for both of these fighters. I want to see the odds for over one and a half rounds. I think that's the sneaky, safe bet to make here. For straight up, I am leaning Nathaniel Wood because Charles Jourdain doesn't check a lot of kicks, and I think his legs are going to be toast by the end of this fight. Wood will need to keep his guard up high when throwing those kicks, though, because Jourdain 
The dude is awesome. He's a great fighter to watch. This is such a great matchup. He's a guy who's willing to take a punch or take a strike to land a few of his own. So when Wood is throwing those kicks, he better keep that guard up high because I promise you, if Jordan misses the chance to check that kick, he is firing back some heavy strikes to Woods' head when he can to try to even out the impact of the kicks from Nathaniel Wood. This is just an awesome fight. Potential fight of the night to start the main card. The first line that we're going to check out is over one and a half rounds. Part of why I love this fight, I just think these guys could go three rounds, absolute war, beating the crap out of each other. And that's how I love to start UFC main cards. Nathaniel Wood to win as our backup as an intriguing underdog currently with his kicking volume. Again, just a great way to start a main card. I think both of these fighters are awesome, and it's really a treat for the fans. Next up, we have William Gomez versus Jarno Ahrens. This was another late addition to the card with two UFC debuts. This was added last week. It finds the French local William Gomez and Jarno Ahrens coming together for both of their UFC debuts. William Gomez is on an impressive nine-fight win streak and holds a 10-2 record, 6-0 by knockout and 1-1 by submission. Jarno Ahrens, 5-1-1 in his last seven fights. He holds a 13-3-1 record, 3-0 by knockout, and 5-1 by submission. Based on those numbers, it would appear that Gomez wants to keep the fight standing so that he could use his striking while Ahrens will want to get this fight to the mats where he will likely have the jiu-jitsu advantage. Debuts are always tough because we just don't know a ton about either fighter. Looking at their past four fights each, the opponents of William Gomez are combined 33-10 and 10 and 48-15-1 and 1 for Jarno Ahrens. Both very impressive opponent records. This fight seems like it could go either way, so we're going with the hometown favorite, William Gomez, money line to get the crowd going early in Paris, France. That fight leads us into John Macdesi versus Nazrat Hakparast. Nazrat has a 2-inch height advantage and 4-inch reach advantage. He's on a 2-fight losing streak and likely needs a win here to stay on the UFC roster. John Macdesi, 4-1 in his last 5, with each fight going the distance. Nazrat is 10 years younger than John Macdesi. Typically, those age differences, especially when they're that big, make a pretty big impact in the fight, but usually I feel like it mostly impacts wrestling for stamina or striking if a fighter has suffered a lot of knockouts. Neither fighter has had much success on the ground with submissions, so I think these guys are going to stay standing in this fight. John McDessie has had one fight a year, going all the way back to 2017. So he doesn't fight that often, but when he does, he typically does get the wins. He's kind of paced himself at this point in his career. Meanwhile, this is Nazrat's fifth fight since the start of 2020. So we have two guys converging with very different strategies. Macdessi taking one fight a year to kind of slowly work his way out towards the end of his career. Nazareth Hackparast trying to build momentum, fighting very often to try to find some success while he's still younger. Nazareth's last four fights have also gone the distance, so we're going to absolutely look at the odds for the fight to go the distance. Nazareth's striking attack is mostly punches to the head and body. He isn't very known for throwing leg kicks. I think that is an area of difference in striking between these two fighters. Macdesi has averaged around 30 landed kicks in each of his last three fights. It's a weapon that he likes to use often to help slow down his opponents to try to take away potential speed disadvantages that he has on the feet. The first thing to look to bet is obviously the fight to go the distance here since their last nine combined fights have gone to the judges. 
over one and a half rounds would also be a safe bet if I had to pick a fighter to win. I actually do like John McDessie to win with his more diverse striking attacks. I think the kicks can be a useful tool when you have to overcome a reach disadvantage, especially when you're fighting a younger guy, you need to slow him down. One way to do it is to beat up the calf with some nice, hard, heavy, low calf kicks. So we're going to take a look at fight to go the distance, backup pick, maybe over one and a half rounds. And if you like the straight up pick, I would go with John McDessie. Approaching the end of our UFC fight night here, we have Alessio DeChirico versus Roman Kopilov. These guys are similar in size. In his last five fights, Alessio DeChirico is 1-4 in the UFC. It's really interesting to say that because I feel like with name recognition, I thought this guy's been winning a lot lately. When I started to dive into his past history of fights, it wasn't that good. I was very surprised. He lost his last fight by knockout. That's just not good when fighting Roman Kopilov. Out of Roman's eight pro wins, seven have been by knockout. Roman Kopilov is making his third UFC appearance and has not won in the organization yet. Both fighters are desperate for a win in the UFC, and that should lead to some intense and wild exchanges. I think the desperation could lead to a finish by either fighter. Roman is 0-1 by submission, with that submission loss coming in the UFC. Alessio DeChirico is 4-1 by submission, so... You know, maybe we're finding an avenue for victory for Alessio DeChirico. Unfortunately for Alessio, the fight starts standing, and I think Roman Kopilov is really going to be a problem on the feet. He could even potentially get the knockout win. Kopilov got a takedown in his last fight, but ultimately lost the judge's decision because his opponent used more takedowns and control to score points. So, Kopilov really wants to keep this fight on the feet. Alessio DeChirico maybe has an avenue to victory on the ground. I think Roman Kopilov has a big hole in his game on the ground. He needs to very quickly work on that. That typically takes time to develop, but he needs to be working on that every day in the gym. I think the only way Alessio DeChirico wins is to get this fight to the mats. He's going to have to win with control, maybe submission. But I do think the striking of Roman Kopilov is a problem. I think he can catch Alessio, knock him out. So we're going with Roman Kopilov to get his first UFC win. I do think it could come by knockout, but these fighters are really tight on the money line, so I don't think we're going to have to be that greedy. And I think if Kopilov gets that knockout, probably going to have to be early, because if Alessio starts to get good grappling in, he's going to wear down Roman Kopilov. That takes us to our co-main event, and this is probably one of the best co-main events you could have that's not on a pay-per-view. We have Robert Whitaker versus Marvin Vittori. These last two fights on this card are going to be rocking the arena. I am super pumped for these last two fights. Robert Whitaker is the number one ranked middleweight, and Marvin Vittori is tied with Jared Kennanier for number two. These guys are the elite of the division outside of our champion. Marvin Vittori is known as the Italian dream, and Whitaker is an absolute fan favorite, so people are going to be really passionate about this fight. It is a great fight. A sneaky, interesting bet in this fight is for it to go the distance in a three-round war. That's the key. Three-round war. Both fighters have been main eventing a lot lately, and they have been going the full five rounds. This is now three. <laughs> Whitaker's previous seven fights were main events, and six went to a decision. Vittori's last four fights were main events, and they all went the full five rounds. These guys are decision fighters, which might not be the most exciting, but these guys do attack. They constantly fight. They're in ferocious wars. It's not their fault they're not getting finishes. They're going for it as much as they can. 
It's just lately they haven't been finding those finishes, and now they're losing two rounds to find that finish. To break down the X's and O's a little bit more, Robert Whitaker, I think, will have the striking advantage, and Marvin Venturi will have the ground advantage. Whichever fighter can force the action to their strength will win this fight. I just think that's how it'll be. If Robert Whitaker can keep it on the feet, I think he wins. If Marvin Vittori gets it to the ground multiple times, I think he will win as well. The fight starts standing, so that obviously matters. But what's really interesting too is these are truly some of the elite of the middleweight division. Both fighters have only lost to the middleweight champion Israel Adesanya recently. Whitaker is 12-2 in his last 14 fights with each loss to Israel Adesanya. And Vittori is 8-3-1 in the UFC, with two of those three losses to Israel Adesanya as well. So these guys typically only lose to the champ. It's such a great fight. One of them finally has to lose to someone not named Israel Adesanya. And these fighters are just so talented that I don't know if either one will finish the other. So we will take a look at over one and a half rounds and fight to go the distance. I think the winner of this fight probably has next for the chance to maybe avenge a loss against current middleweight champion Israel Adesanya, but he does defend his title later this year against Alex Pereira in what is a highly anticipated fight. Those two formerly faced off in kickboxing, where Pereira has two wins over Israel Adesanya. So we'll see. Regardless, I think whoever wins this co-main event finds themselves in the middleweight championship next. I think Robert Whitaker will win with his striking and takedown defense. I'm going to be very intrigued by the over one and a half rounds. If we have to get fancy Whitaker to win with over one and a half rounds, or maybe we even look at just fight to go the distance. I don't know, but I think Whitaker is going to win the fight. I think the fight is probably going the distance. So we're going to be looking at all kinds of combinations of that to find our best possible bet. That takes us to the UFC main event. And what I think is a really impactful heavyweight fight in what is an absolutely stacked division. UFC main event time. Are you excited, guys? I am so freaking excited for this one. The UFC, they're just so smart with their matchmaking. This is the perfect main event fight to debut in Paris, France. Man, this is going to be a good one. Cyril Gaon, his last loss in the heavyweight championship against Francis Ngannou is a French fighter representing his country for the first ever UFC card in that location. We need heavyweight title fights desperately because it is so crowded at the top of this division. I feel like every time I talk about a UFC heavyweight fight, I go, well, the winner should have next. Well, this is another one where, you know, the winner should probably have next. We're running out of room at the top. Cyril Gaon is the number one ranked heavyweight and Tai Tuivasa is ranked number three. How many more guys do they have to beat to find their way into a championship fight? I have no idea. I would say the winner of this fight would be next, but it's impossible to tell right now with so many people deserving of a title shot in that heavyweight division. Cyril Gaon's two inches taller, has a six inch reach advantage. Man, he's a big heavyweight with a lot of speed. This is striker versus striker. Neither guy wants to fight on the ground. They want to strike with each other. Cyril Gaon will have the speed advantage. He has the speed advantage against everybody in the UFC heavyweight division. And Tai Tuivasa will have the power advantage for sure. The problem for most heavyweights is that Gaon moves like a middleweight. Very fast. Good movement. Good with his feet. Hard to hit defensively. Constantly moving out of the way. Cyril Gaon is one of the best kickers in the heavyweight division because he can throw kicks very fast from any angle and with authority. On the flip side, 
Ty Bam Bam Tuivasa can end your night with one punch. Francis has been the only heavyweight to figure out the puzzle that is Cyril Gaon, your current heavyweight champion, and he got it done with his wrestling. The striking of Cyril Gaon was enough to take the scariest striker on the planet, the most powerful knockout guy on the planet, and turn him into a wrestler. Even though Ty doesn't wrestle, he should still feint the takedowns in this fight, just so it's on Gon's mind. Now, let's not be mistaken, Cyril Gon might not even care. He might not even flinch at the takedown attempts of Ty Tuivasa, but maybe throw out a couple just to see what happens. Ty Tuivasa is on a five-fight knockout win streak. Welcome to the heavyweight division, guys. This is where you get finishes, typically. The dude hits hard, what can I say? One thing is certain to me in this fight, if the fight goes over three rounds, then I think Gon has a huge advantage. And if the fight ends before three rounds, it's because Tai Tuivasa got a knockout. Tai Tuivasa has only fought three full rounds once in his pro career. I don't know if anybody knows if he has the gas tank for a five-round fight. He's never left the third. Cyril Gunn can point fight you to death for five rounds on the scorecards or just wear you down and straight up force you to just give up early because you can't handle the punishment. Cyril Gunn is a massive favorite. Now, I don't disagree. He should be the favorite. He's got the speed. He's been a tough puzzle to figure out for a lot of people. But that makes me salivate over Tai Tuivasa. He looks really good from a value perspective because he does just need to land one punch in the right spot to win this fight. We've seen him knock out some of the scariest heavyweights in the division. We saw him knock out Derek Lewis. We saw him stand and bang with no fear against Derek Lewis. That makes Tai Tuivasa a very scary man. We just saw Leon Edwards land his one strike to win the welterweight championship. And if you have that power in your arsenal, then you are always a problem. This is a massive step up in competition for Tai Tuivasa, even though he's the more experienced fighter. But Gon has had more five-round fights. He has the experience going the distance. I think he knows that he could win this fight late if he can wear down Tai Tuivasa for a few rounds first and play it safe. Unfortunately, with 14 of his 15 wins by knockout, I think that Tai Tuivasa finds his shot early in this fight. I just like the value too much, and Taito Ivasa is ready to enter the next level of superstardom as a heavyweight in the UFC. The guy's super lovable. He's got a great personality. Expect the legendary Taito Ivasa Shui to come out after he gets a knockout win. If you really want the huge odds, I think that's the only way Taito Ivasa wins. I don't think Tai can beat Gon on the scorecards, so if you are that confident in Taito Ivasa to win, I would take him by knockout for a huge odds play. Now let me think about it for the next few minutes while we talk about some bets. Maybe we're going to feel wild and we will go for the knockout. But right now, Taito Ivasa, nice value on Moneyline straight up. So let's go ahead and dive into those UFC bets and stay tuned for what I have for the UFC main event bet. Alright everybody, time for everybody's favorite segment. We are going to review some bets, some parlays, what we're liking that we're seeing on the card this weekend. As always, please bet responsibly. If you have a gambling problem, call your state's hotline. We're going to get funky this episode. Last week we were 6-3 and three when we picked the fight over under for rounds or if we picked finish or decision. I like that strategy again. We're going to get funky with the bets and we actually have all of the lines available 
already, which is awesome. They usually wait until Friday night or Saturday to release these alternate lines. We got them right now, so let's have some fun. Looking at the UFC prelims, we have Stephanie Egger versus Aylin Perez. We're going to go with Fight to Not Go the Distance at minus 162. And that's actually going to be a homestyle gravy bet, one of my top picks for the weekend. Christian Quinones versus Khalid Tafa. We're going Khalid Tafa money line minus 130. Benoit St. Denis versus Gabriel Miranda. This fight's hitting the mats. Now, what I would love to see with guys this skilled at jiu-jitsu is for someone to finish the other guy on the ground. It's also possible that they are both so skilled that they stalemate, but we took fight to end by submission at plus 145. I think that's how the finish comes. We like to cheer for finishes here on the Homestyle MMA podcast, so we're going to go for fight to end by submission for plus money, which I think is a pretty nice little deal. Nasruddin Imavov versus Joaquin Buckley. We're going fight to not go the distance I mentioned to you earlier. I think Nasruddin Imavov likely gets this win, but you can't knock on the power of Joaquin Buckley. And at minus 195, I figured let's take it as a homestyle gravy bet, one of our top picks for the weekend. I think Nasruddin Imavov likely gets the finish win, but Joaquin Buckley can't end this fight with one punch at any time, so we're not going to count him out. Ferris Zayam versus Michael Figlock. I like Michael Figlock here, Moneyline minus 200. And to wrap up the UFC prelims, we have Abis Magomedov versus Dustin Stoltzfus. We took Abis Magomedov Moneyline minus 265 for a homestyle gravy bet and going back for more for a double unit play. That takes us to the UFC main card. Will we do something we have not done on this podcast before? I've wanted to do it a few times before in the past, but I thought, uh, Maybe the fans won't love it. It could get a little bit messy. Y'all, we're here to make a comeback on our betting. We're here to make some money this weekend. We have Charles Jordan versus Nathaniel Wood. I have two bets for this fight. I love this fight. I love both of these fighters. I think this is going to be a spectacular three-round war. Now, for over one and a half rounds, it's minus 315. Not great odds. Everybody seems to also agree that this one's going at least one and a half rounds. So I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to take that bet as a homestyle gravy bet. I love it. Like I've been talking to you all podcast in regards to this fight. I love this fight to go over one and a half rounds. So let's go ahead and go back for more. We're going to double that bet, double it up two units on over one and a half rounds. That way we can pull in a little bit more at that tough minus 315. But you know what? Why stop there? I told you I think Nathaniel Wood's leg kicks are going to be a problem in this fight. We can actually get Nathaniel Wood to win in over one and a half rounds together for plus 150. Let's do it, folks. Why not? Let's do it. Nathaniel Wood in over one and a half rounds. That's a single unit bet, but we got two bets on one fight. That'll be an exciting one for us to watch. William Gomez versus Jarno Ahrens. We're going with William Gomez. Moneyline minus 220. John McDessie versus Nazareth Hackparast. Over one and a half rounds, which is what I wanted, was minus 420. Obviously, don't really feel like taking minus 420. Pretty big number. So we're going to take the fight to go the full distance. I do think this is going to be another three-round war. It's a homestyle gravy bet. It's minus 186. So a much more manageable number. And what I think will end up being a three-round fight anyways. Alessio DeChirico versus Roman Kopilov. We're going with Roman Kopilov Moneyline 110 in a current pick'em fight. That's going to be a really good fight, but I do think Roman Kopilov's going to walk away with the win. So if you're feeling confident, go ahead and put two units on there. 
We're just going to keep this as a standard unit bet at this time. Robert Whitaker versus Marvin Vittori. Whew, what a fight, guys. I love this co-main and main event. I love it. As I told you earlier in this podcast, I loved the over one and a half rounds. So does everybody else. So does Vegas. They have it at minus 530. Not a number we would ever touch. They've both gone to a decision so much in their last several main event fights, which were five rounds. This is three. They have two less rounds to get a finish. So we're going to take the fight to go the distance for a homestyle gravy bet. Top pick of the weekend at minus 278. And then for our main event in Paris, France, Cyril Gon versus Tied to Ivasa. We're feeling wild, folks. I told you if you're feeling wild, I think Tied to Ivasa's only way to win is by knockout. Let's do it. I want to see Ty get the knockout. I think Cyril Gon will be great in the heavyweight division. I think he can afford one more minor setback against the top three guy. I think that's okay. He can work on continuing to round out his game. He's very new to MMA. Tai Tuivasa has been in more fights, not as many five-round fights, however. So we're going to take Tai Tuivasa by knockout for plus 650. That is a juicy number. I could not resist. We had to take plus 650. I think if he gets the knockout, it's going to have to be in the first two rounds or maybe early in the third. But man, we're going to be on the edge of our seats watching this fight, cheering for the shooey celebration for Taito Ivasa after his knockout win. That leaves us with six homestyle gravy top bets of the weekend, and we were going back for more on two. So we'll see how we do. It should be very exciting. I ended up being a lot more confident in some of my bets than I anticipated this week. With homestyle gravy bets that I think will go through. But surprisingly, I was only confident enough for two units on two of them. So it's a little bit interesting. But that takes us into the homestyle perfect plate parlay. I said we were going to get weird with bets. I did not stop with our singles. We're going to take three fights to go over one and a half rounds. We're doing Jordan versus Wood over one and a half rounds. MacDessy versus Hackparast over one and a half rounds, and Whitaker versus Vittori over one and a half rounds. Now I get it. I know that's not the most exciting thing to cheer for, but I really am confident that those are how the fights are going to play out. These guys just don't necessarily get finishes early. They actually can get finishes late from time to time, but there's just been a lot of decisions lately. I mean, you can put those three together at minus 107. I think that's good enough for me, guys. We're going to go for it. All three of those fights over one and a half rounds, Jordan Wood, Makdesi Hakparast, and Whitaker Vittori at minus 107. We just can't leave that on the board, so we're going to go ahead and take that, and that wraps up our bets for this UFC fight night, Gone versus Tuivasa. Well, unfortunately, everybody, it is that time. I've had a great time talking about this card with you. Please tune in. Check out our verdict picks. Make sure you check social media before the fights. I'd like to circle just the general winners, I think, for each fight as well. This should be a great Saturday of UFC fights. Multiple underrated fights on this card. Multiple high-skilled fighters going head-to-head. This is a great card to start the UFC's presence in France. I'm excited. So many of these fights were close that we went for a ton of alternate lines this weekend. We got kind of weird, kind of crazy with it. We're going to see how it goes. Make sure to check the social media pages for the podcast to see what we have going on on fight day. Luckily, we've got you these alternate rounds early, which is always exciting. As always, please bet responsibly. If you have a gambling problem, call your state's hotline. 
please go follow at the Homestyle MMA Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, and at Homestyle MMA Pod on Twitter. Check out the Homestyle MMA Podcast.podbean.com for additional information about the podcast. We're growing really well on social media. Please go ahead and check us out if you haven't just yet. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe, like, comment, and review. Next week, we will highlight the action from this weekend's fight card in Paris and preview the very exciting UFC 279 pay-per-view of Kamzat Chemaev versus Nate Diaz in what is likely the UFC legend Nate Diaz's last fight in the UFC. Till next time, this was Sean Van Buren on the Homestyle MMA Podcast. Have a good one. Mm-hmm.